listening to On the Couch with Carly. Carly's Couch is a safe space to talk. I'm a psychologist, but I'm not your pipe-smoking, tweed-wearing stereotype. Hello, and welcome back to On the Couch with Carly. I am super excited because I have a guest, my first guest of season three. So sitting on the couch, metaphorically, is Dr. Jess Stanbridge. And uh, I'm very honored to have her here. Jess is someone that I admire hugely. Um, She has done so much amazing work on Instagram, sharing so many beautiful, poignant posts about mental health. And she recently celebrated one year postpartum as her daughter Kit just turned one. So we will hopefully have another conversation all about postpartum. But today I've asked Jess to join us to talk about pregnancy and mental health as Jess is a specialist psychiatrist and a mental health expert and someone I hugely admire in this field. Um, So we're going to talk about Jess's experiences, but also generally what um, what happens to our mental health when we're pregnant, what might be some of the processes that we need to engage with and how we can help ourselves through this process. So welcome, Jess. It's lovely to have you. Oh, thank you for having me. Um, I'm so excited to be here talking about some of my favorite topics, um, <laughs> mental health, pregnancy, um, my own experience. Um, yeah, thanks <laughs> for creating the platform. It's, it's, it's oh. really great. Oh, it's so nice. It's so nice to connect. So Mm. I guess you were pregnant, you know, recently. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty recently. So, I mean, if you're happy to just launch in, like what, what kind of comes up for you when you think about that, that time in your life, what you were thinking about, what you were feeling? Yeah. Yeah. What was, what was that process like? So I think pregnancy for us as a couple was a little bit different. So obviously um, I married um, to my wife, Lara. And so for us to uh, decide that we wanted to have a baby was a very uh, cognizant thing um, and a very intentional thing. And so um, I went through fertility procedures to um, fall pregnant. And so kind of my pregnancy had quite a long preamble to it. I um, had three um, egg retrievals and three IVF transfers. So there was kind of like a lot of um, medical intervention, lots of kind of waiting to fall pregnant, lots of grief when I wasn't, lots of having to kind of keep going in these kind of procedures, like really hoping and wishing for this pregnancy to happen. Um so over the course of about 18 months that, I, that we were going through all of these kinds of fertility procedures. So by the time I had fallen pregnant, it felt quite surreal. Um, I don't really remember um, getting the results that I was pregnant and um, feeling a huge amount of ecstasy associated with it. Um, and I think that because we'd been through so much prior to that, it was kind of like everything felt quite tentative. And I think that you spoke about this um, in one of your episodes previously, how that then that first trimester felt so 
kind of tentative as well because we'd had such a hard time falling pregnant that like would this pregnancy um be healthy and um would would it stick um so uh, yeah the process of falling pregnant was hard and then kind of not that huge kind of elation it was more kind of a sense of i need to be a little bit uh, weary here as we went into the first trimester uh, so yeah, the first six weeks of my pregnancy were fine. And then at the six week mark, I developed the most debilitating nausea I have ever experienced in my life. Um, it wasn't just like an underlying wake up in the morning feeling nauseous. You can eat something and it would go away. It was the most extreme sickness I have ever felt and the most debilitated I'd ever been from an illness perspective. So for the first 14 to 16 weeks of my pregnancy, I actually could not get out of bed. Um, I, I could only eat cheese and tomato sandwiches, uh, if anything at all. Um, I couldn't work. Um, I had to get a locum to to cover my practice during that time it was it was really hard for me I had to step away from uh, quite um quite suddenly step away from looking after all of my patients I couldn't look at my phone I couldn't read I couldn't watch series all I could do was literally just lie there in the state of absolute nausea so my pregnancy was really really tough in those first um yeah about 16 weeks um and then yeah, I was really, really sick. And um, I, I was very lucky. My partner is incredibly supportive and she just nurtured me and cared for me and looked after me. But I think as um, a woman, it was really, really hard for me to step back and say, I can't do anything here but cocoon and move away from all my other parts of my identity, move away from the way in which I was contributing to the world and really just let my body be in the space that it was in. So my first trimester was not enjoyable at all. Um, then everyone, obviously the myth of so many myths of motherhood, so many myths of pregnancy, mm -hmm. you hear about the second trimester coming in and you're going to get this glow and you're going to just like feel amazing. And uh, my second trimester came and I mean, I was waiting, I was really like waiting for that glow to hit me and it, it really didn't. It, I, I think that, um, just from a lifestyle perspective, like I had to get back to work and I was trying to compensate for the fact that I'd been away for a really long time. So I was working really, really long hours and I never really had the opportunity to like really feel that sense of glow. And then in my third trimester, um, at my, one of my scans, I, um, um, my daughter was um, showing to be really on like the 97th percentile for, for how big she was. Um, and so I had to go through to have um, a glucose tolerance testing done. And I was diagnosed with gestational diabetes in my third trimester, which then came with its own kind of the risk factors associated with this. This is completely changing my birth plan and having to see dietitians. There's guilt associated with this. Is it because of the way that I've been eating or not eating because I've been so sick and that has resulted in this? Is my daughter going to be okay? And so there was a lot of kind of anxiety around my third trimester. And I, I wrote a post about it um, on Instagram, um, I think right at the end of my pregnancy, just saying like, I really, really didn't like being pregnant. Like, I think some people find it to be 
uh, yeah, like a joyful period. They feel like incredibly connected to their babies. I think that some people love the process of of uh, growing a child within them. But for me, there was, I think there was just so much stuff that happened in my pregnancy and how sick I was and then all these complications that landed up arising that uh, there was there were very few moments of my pregnancy that I enjoyed. Um, and uh, to the point that uh, obviously we're very, very lucky in our partnership that we are two women and that um, I hope that I never have to fall pregnant again, that I've actually said to my wife, I will I like, I will not do it again. I can't, I can't do it again. Um, so my pregnancy was not easy. And I think that women don't really talk about that. They don't talk about, hey, I, I, my pregnancy was really hard. Or I really actually didn't enjoy being pregnant. Um, it's it's like a, a shameful thing that, that we don't really, really discuss. Um, and I felt that shame along the way, like saying, listen, this isn't the best thing that's ever happened to me. Um, yeah, but it was really, really, really tough. My pregnancy was tough. I was so happy for it to be over. And, and what were your emotions then given that experience? Like when you say you think women can feel a lot of shame in that in that yeah. in that time like what what were your what was your experience like it not being so pleasant and maybe you had expectations that it was going to be pleasant like what was that like for you well you know I think that that's happened across the course of my motherhood journey but I think I've had to really like check into um uh, the reality of the expectations that we have on ourselves and the expectations that we have about this entire process of pregnancy, motherhood, postpartum and everything else. Um, it was my emotions in the beginning were, am I doing this wrong? So should I be feeling more connected? Should I be um, having a more joyful experience in this? Um, and there was a lot of kind of, uh, yeah, there was shame associated with that. It, and I think that going through a fertility journey and falling pregnant and then saying that I don't like to be pregnant comes with its own um, kind of veil of, of shame and guilt associated with it because there are a lot of people obviously who go through fertility journeys and never fall pregnant. And I was so cognizant of that as well, that we had kind of like fought for this pregnancy and that I should feel grateful and joyful and connected and excited and I put like all of these expectations of myself but if I was able to switch on like my rational brain like how could I feel so excited when all I wanted to do was throw up the entire day I couldn't get out of bed there were I had medical complications in my pregnancy like my wise brain was able to tell me listen that shame that is coming from your emotional side, which is the world telling you how it should be, um, like that's wrong. This experience, I need to validate it. It's been really, really, really hard for me. Um, and it's really, really hard for a lot of women. And I've had a lot of women come up to me subsequently saying, thank you. Like I really, really hated being pregnant. And I felt like I really, really couldn't talk about that. Yeah, absolutely. No, I think that the the fertility um, process or journey yeah. has a huge role to play in how you yeah. interpret 
the experience and and it's also like even as you said like even just at the very beginning when you find first find out that you're pregnant you know that it's that there's ambivalence that it's like I want to lean into this totally and be joyful but there's always this part of me that's holding something back and then of course the experience is unpleasant and and I think that I think this is for me you've you've written a lot of lovely posts that reflect this but this this idea that to hold these two opposing truths within in, in our in our bodies in ourselves you know that it's actually it is possible to really want a baby it is possible mm-hmm. to really put effort and time and money and you know blood sweat and tears into into having this experience and still find the experience difficult like it's really that's oh, that's just it right like and I mean, that's not even going into having a baby itself and postpartum, yeah. but the pregnancy yeah. sounded really, really rough. And and that yeah. was your experience. Absolutely. And I think that that that's exactly it, is that a lot of women are so scared to say, I hate being pregnant because they are scared that it, it kind of mutes over the fact that they want their baby it's 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 like you said it's one or it's one or the other but it's that we are able to hold both of those things i desperately wanted my daughter i wanted to be a mother but i hated that i had to be pregnant to be able to have her yes and yeah. that and that the, and that there's a whole as you said mythology around being that pregnancy is supposed to be this glorious time where you're this you know fertility goddess that walks around glowing and everyone showers you in love and adoration and it's all just so wonderful it's also it's also part of that narrative that's that that actually denies the the experience the the truth and Definitely. and as you said it's that shame which which is something that I mean, I think about like what we're supposed to do, you know, we're supposed, yeah. we're supposed to shut up and enjoy it. And, and it's like, it just reminds me of just what women's role is in general and how, and how yeah. sort of oppressed we're meant to be in this, you know, for, in, in how society is set up so that we are just, whatever you're experiencing, it doesn't really matter. What matters is that you're pregnant and having a baby, you know, so exactly. move aside, exactly. your feelings are less, are less valid. And I think Absolutely. what's really important and- about talking about it it's just to say like these these things do matter it matters that you were really really uncomfortable absolutely definitely and I don't just have to be grateful or I can be grateful and still be struggling um and and there is space and for for all of those emotions within it um I also what I noticed so much within pregnancy as well is how um the expectation of those around me um it and not not my close-knit uh, support structures they were amazing but society in general it was be pregnant but carry on so be pregnant be as nauseous as you are but carry on like go go to work um throw up in the bathroom if you have to but then come back and carry on doing what you're doing and i I mean, I, I know I have a lot of patients who've had to do that. They they don't have the luxury like I did of, of taking time off and they have to persevere through that first trimester of being really, really sick. And it's just like the ex- expectation is you're pregnant, but carry on as if you aren't. Mm, yeah. And yeah, it's, that for me is it's yeah, it speaks to the whole thing as well, just being 
being a woman. I mean, if you, people struggle yeah. with with the periods and have to carry on, yes. you know, the, yeah. I just think I just think there you there isn't enough. Like there's just not enough that's being said and being written about and being acknowledged about um, female struggles that actually Mm. has any sort of impact on how the structures get changed, you know, like how, Mm. because, because it's almost like, yes, we know you suffer, but we're not going to do anything about it. We're not going to put something in place here. We're not going to, it's not going to be like special leave allowance in our, in our, Mm. you know, policies our policies exactly that like we understand that that early pregnancy isn't you know impossible to be at work eight hours a day or whatever it may be you know it's like and I think that's what's so frightening is it when you don't realize it because I think a lot of people don't realize how difficult pregnancy can be and not all pregnancies are difficult and I'm I'm sorry to say you did have a very really really tough time um but I think they're more difficult than we we think they are going to be i think more often they're they're difficult and and there's just no um yeah there's just no support really for that Mm. you know where is the support Mm, absolutely i agree with you completely um it and it's about yeah how how do we go about changing that um i suppose is the ultimate question what would you (laughs) recommend like if you if you were like maybe early pregnancy or um yeah thinking about getting pregnant what would you recommend to someone who's at that point like what do you need to is there something that us as individuals um can do to prepare and to kind of gather support or gather resources or what you know do something to help ourselves through these um these stages of pregnancy that can be so challenging physically um and mentally You know, I think the first part for me is always about an awareness of it. And and that awareness comes from people talking about it. So it's about knowing that, uh, yes, pregnancy for some can feel really easy. And that's amazing and and incredible. And um, but that there is a possibility that pregnancy can also be incredibly hard um and to to kind of be able to know that that those are both options and neither of those are right and neither of those are wrong and that if your pregnancy is easy that's great but if it's hard that's also okay and that it's also okay for you within that space to make changes to be able to support yourself whatever that looks like so for me it was I had to take three months of work. I couldn't work. But I realized what a privileged position I was to be able to do that. But to be able to kind of just validate that experience, that it can really, really be hard. And how can you pull in the resources that you have to be able to support you during that period? And some people don't have any resources and they have to still go to work and they have to I mean, I would encourage them to then talk to the people in in the workplace, but it's not always well received. Or what is your support structure like at home? Are you talking to your partner? Are you prepared that this could be a challenging time and that someone may be able to step up in in a different kind of way for you? But really know that you may need to, kind of like the fourth trimester, your pregnancy, pull in resources and to think about what those resources look like for you. 
Yeah. I do think speaking about it has got a big impact. Like just the idea yeah. of not being alone with that experience or feeling. I mean, I think, I think when we, when we hide things and we, and we keep things to ourselves, that's also where shame comes in. We you know where it's something that we don't feel we can, can just share and, and be with and that it's okay. Um, yes. But I do, I do think, I do think it, it's, it really helps to speak to people who have been through it themselves. So I find like the idea of like a maternal support system, like mom tribe or whatever you want to call it, you know, th like this is for me the most useful thing, like having yeah. just knowing someone who's been through it, someone who you can talk to, someone who's possibly, you yeah. know, got some tools or tricks up their sleeves. But what was it like for you to talk to Lara about these things like as, as as someone who hasn't experienced it yet herself and i guess it, that's would be the same as if you had like a male partner you know yeah. what what is it like i mean I, I assume that you probably spoke to her more than most heterosexual women speak to their <laughs> male partners about it but yeah well, yeah what, what, is, is it still a bit of a bridge to to kind of you know to cross to kind of speak to someone who's not going through it uh of course i think that uh, if you if you haven't experienced it, um, it is always difficult to completely understand what the experience is like. I'm I'm lucky in the regard that um, Lara has incredibly bad motion sickness, so she's particularly susceptible to nausea. So for her, nausea is like the worst possible thing to ever happen. So I'm able to explain to her that I'm nauseous and she will say, okay, yes, absolutely. You need to completely be in bed for as long as you need to be in bed for. Um, so that was helpful in that regard. But um, yeah, I mean, she, my wife is amazing um, in, in so many ways. And she, she, she was able to just kind of witness how much I was struggling and she just completely stepped into a completely supportive role. Uh, I mean, she made me every meal and she did everything around our house for those, those couple of months. Um, she supported us in, in, in remarkable ways. Um, but yeah, I think that that's not everyone's scenario. I think that it can, um, it can, it can feel like you can't always talk to your partner and communicate exactly what's going on. And I do think that sometimes the narrative within partnerships is also, um, but you should be grateful or you should carry on. Um, it's not only society that says that, that it is sometimes within partnerships that that happens, but it wasn't within ours. I was really, really lucky in that regard. Yeah, partners take note. I mean, I think this yeah. is something that I feel very strongly about that this this idea of like translating the experience that um, mm. that one of the jobs we have, I think, is to just know our own experience, which is not always easy yeah. sometimes, you know, just yeah. to be able to say, yeah. what am I feeling? What's going on with me? And, and to yeah. validate that for ourselves. But the yeah. next step is to be able to translate that to someone else that could care for us and to then mm. be open to receiving care. I mean, I spoke last week about how I struggle sometimes to just slow down and, and know my own boundaries and know that I can't take on everyone else's stuff, you know, because yeah. I'm also needing a little bit of extra care right now. But it's, yeah. it's sometimes it's, you know, women can be ambivalent about receiving care as well, mm. you know, and to, to be able to, I mean, I guess this is one of the things about pregnancy is it really does floor you at times. So you actually can't yeah. get out of bed like you experienced. Yeah. 
but um, which may actually be not such a bad thing to be actually, you know, incapacitated and not be able to, you know, run around yeah. as you as you could. But other other than that, it's also can be sometimes very challenging to receive care or to ask for help, to ask for support, mm. to say, you know, I'm struggling with this. I can't actually do the basics, and that's really yeah. hard. It's like you said, it's like really hard for women to 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 own that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I found it deeply, deeply uncomfortable. Um, I um, a lot of my my stuff. I, I I am in nature a helper, a doer. I take on a lot. Um, I mean, I think within our professions, we often are. And so for me to to not be in that role of being the one who is helping and being the one who has helped was very, very uncomfortable for me. Um, and so not only am I completely nauseous, but I feel like I'm not contributing to our home in any way. It made me feel quite vulnerable at times to feel like I wasn't contributing to our partnership because I couldn't do anything. And to just uh, kind of lean into the the safety of our relationship and that I don't need to fill that role of, of helper, of, of always doing things um, and be helped. Um, it was, yeah, it was really, really uncomfortable and very challenging, but definitely something that I needed to learn. Sure. And I mean, you, you know, we speak about vulnerability, but vulnerability is really hard, you know, so we're talking about a really unique phenomenon, which is, I mean, yeah. when we do get sick, for example, we have yeah. to learn these lessons as well, but they're like, what, a few days of our lives, and then we get back, to, you know, to our life. But pregnancy, it's this long haul vulnerability. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, it's quite something to take that on to really yeah. stay with the I can't, you know, yeah. whoa, it's huge. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I wanted to ask you, there was a post you you um, made when you were pregnant that I just really, really loved. And it was, you were talking about becoming, that you were in a process of becoming. And I thought that was really beautifully written and put. And mm. it speaks to what I was speaking about before, I think, I think it was last session about, um, the adjustment that pregnancy and becoming a mom in general is this kind of unfolding transformative experience and that it involves a lot of adjustment and that yeah. adjustment is such a I think important psychological phenomenon to make to, to for us to understand to understand how yeah. we we might expect ourselves to sort of get with the program you know just to Ad, to adjust to to become quickly into this new thing that yeah. we are becoming but actually yeah. it is a process sometimes a very up and down process that can take you know a long time and has many many parts to it and and it's it can also throw us from a mental health perspective it can be something that can really be challenging so yeah, yeah so my question to you is just if you t if you think about what like what pregnancy meant to you from an adjustment perspective or like from a becoming a trans transforming perspective what yeah. what can you speak to that about um i think it was the start for me of realizing how little control i had um it was becoming into a place of surrendering to kind of this process that was going to happen. Um, I had no control over the nausea. Um, I had 
uh, no control that I developed gestational diabetes. Um, I, I obviously had control over, over, over looking after it, but it then subsequently resulted in me having no control over um, what my birth plan was. And so there was so much of it that was, well, all I can really do is just surrender and, and kind of trust that this process is going to unfold itself. Um, and that was really, really hard for me. A lot of my life and a lot of the way in which I have personally managed my anxiety is through control. And so to lose that and to feel like this thing um, is is happening and it was it still is happening now, obviously, within the first year of motherhood, I've really, really just had to lean deeply into it um, and and just surrender. There's absolutely nothing else I could do. Yeah, no, I think that is such a huge lesson and, and one that I remember repeating to myself in my own mind a few times, mm. like going, oh, here we go again. This is the lesson. Yeah. Like, oh, I get it. But it's yeah. one of those ones you just, you have to learn them. You have to learn it over and over again, don't you? It just doesn't. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't and it changes with every season. Yeah, yeah. Just keep leaving, keep surrendering, have no real control. Yeah. Yeah. And then I guess, I mean, I suppose have what for what you do have control over, you know, to, to yeah. then find ways of, of, of managing and, and being yeah. empowered in that process. So tell me, yes. and that's actually an interesting point because we, the, the very last episode I think I did was about the birth, our dreams for what we want for our birth and how we have yeah. to, how I believe in pregnancy, you know, that it's, it is great to, first of all, get all the information and, you know, feel empowered in, in making a decision about what you want yes. and that wanting things, desiring things, you know, I, I, I do believe we need to know what we want and, and lean into that. But yeah. I do also think that it's wise to have a plan B or to surrender already to the idea that we don't have the control and that there might be another option that, that, that unfolds without us having much say in it and how can we come yeah. to terms with that during pregnancy? So, Definitely. um, so, so yeah, what, what do you, what do you think is, is a useful way to sort of navigate that space of kind of preparing, but also surrendering? <laughs> oh gosh. It's such a fine balance, you know? Um, I think that what you said, you've said it quite beautifully and that you prepare what you can but you know that that it's not always going to work out that way, um, and they, and that you surrender to the fact that you can't you can't be rigid within it. That other other options other options may may come to the forefront. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, from a mental health perspective, uh, you can prepare as much as you possibly can. I mean, I think about how in pregnancy and I had a like a huge postpartum plan for my mental health and I really really prepared and controlled what I could but I still yeah. developed mental health symptoms postpartum and so then I had to surrender to okay this is where I'm at um, and it's just about doing what you can not being rigid within it and when it doesn't work out the way that you need it to do um, surrender and find a way to consolidate that within yourself yeah, I love that. And did you did you feel did you feel empowered 
in your pregnancy? Did you feel empowered? I mean, how, what, in that situation where you're flattened on your back with nausea and exhaustion, mm-hmm. and then later on, you know, you get the gestational diabetes diagnosis. What, in, in these moments of, of like, I guess just uh, p- potential powerlessness to something that feels, yeah. you know, overwhelming. Um, what do you, what do you do then to find, find ways to see yourself as still having agency, having autonomy, being part of this process, you know, yeah, just feeling empowered at all. So I think with, I think it, it was different in, in the, in the nausea and in the gestational diabetes. I think that within the nausea, I found power in the surrender. So by, by saying I can't do this, by actually, because I, I, that's not something as a personality trait that I, I necessarily do. I found power in saying, I can't do this. I need you to be able to care for me. Um, and uh, because there was really very little else I had control over. So to actually say, I'm taking a step back here, that for me felt very, very empowering. But with the gestational diabetes, I think that in that way, I found power by really educating myself. Um, and I and I informed myself as much as possible. I saw a dietitian. I learned everything I needed to about how I needed to be eating, about how it could be impacting my pregnancy. Um, and, and there I, I had more capacity that I didn't have in that first trimester to be able to acquire information as much as possible, to feel empowered, to be able to control what I could in that scenario. So I think in in the it, it was different in both, and it also depended on what capacity I had. Yes, absolutely. That makes yeah. a lot of sense. I really yeah. like the idea that you felt empowered in your almost your commitment to yourself and getting your needs met. I think that is so powerful and actually something that turns it all on its head because we so often associate needing help with weakness or needing help with helplessness, you know, and actually needing help and asking for help can be an incredibly powerful and empowered process. I love that. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. And knowing knowing where your limits are. I I reached my limit and I had to... I had to I had no choice but to ask for help and and there was so much relief when I did that mm. yeah yeah I like that a lot and I I, yeah. I do think that becoming a parent is just the most humbling experience oh isn't it? it's just yeah <laughs> <laughs> absolutely like it starts in pregnancy where you just get flattened yeah. by this tiny little you know, oh, no. centimeter long organism, not even centimeter yeah. long, you know, <laughs> you're just no. absolutely destroyed by it. You know, you're like, wow, this thing is powerful. And I am just, I, I have to yeah. surrender. Definitely, definitely. It's just like <laughs> that huge, like huge monumental shift of who I was as a person began in that first trimester. Like, parts of who I was, what I believed in, how I engaged with the world were challenged from that very, very beginning of my pregnancy. Yes. And they continue yeah. to be challenged, obviously. obviously. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so before we end off, is there anything like, if you think about your clients who are pregnant or, um, yeah, just anyone out there who's be, who would be listening, who would want to sort of, maybe take home some sort of, 
I don't know, plan or preparation tools or something from your side in terms of preparing for um, what mental health sort of consequences pregnancy might, you know, that might might occur during pregnancy? Like is there anything from your side that you'd like to add? Um, I think the first thing is that it's so normal to struggle with your mental health during pregnancy um, and obviously postpartum. And I think that um, that is like that I don't, I don't particularly like being pregnant is something that doesn't necessarily get spoken about enough that a lot of people struggle with their mental health in pregnancy. And that's, it's really, really multifaceted. I mean, obviously it's hormonal, it's, um, the physical impacts that it's having on on your body it's how you're feeling it's the the start of the transition it's immunological like there's so many factors to it that your mental health can get impacted during your pregnancy and that if it's being impacted one it's okay it's like you're not alone and two do something about it I think that people don't realize how we look after our mental health in pregnancy the long-term impacts it has on our mental health in the postpartum period and going forward quite a long time as a woman. And so if you are feeling like something is going on um, and you're not feeling like yourself, like intervene early. That's the one message I would say to you is reach out, see a psychologist, see a psychiatrist, find a mental health network. Um, It's, it's really, really important that you get mental health symptoms under control in pregnancy um, because it really, really does long-term change your prognosis. Okay, amazing. Yeah. I mean, I yeah. do think that that's brilliant advice. And also, if you are a first-time parent, um, you know, this is your last chance in a way to be sort of, not last chance, but like this is this is a time when you are just yeah. looking after yourself Um, and before the baby comes where it becomes a lot more challenging to find time for yourself. And, and as you said, you can do, there is such amazing potential for, for beautiful work that can be done in that pregnancy period where you, you know, you're starting to have an idea of some of the challenges, um, but you do have some time to reflect and to, and to imagine and to process. Um, yeah, so it can be a great opportunity to actually deal with whatever mental health stuff might come up and that could include uh, depression or anxiety or um, obsessive thoughts or you know there's so many ways these things manifest I mean we don't have to go into all of the diagnoses but just to know that if anything is affecting you in a because yes it's gonna you are going to be affected by pregnancy but if it's affecting you in such a way that it's affecting your functioning or you're feeling like you're not able to cope with with the you know the tasks of life then those are really big warning signs that you should take serious note of this and get get professional help help definitely and you know we look our bodies we really like in pregnancy is the time where we really try look after our bodies because we know that it's nurturing a being um, and I think that people often forget in pregnancy that it's as important to be caring for your mind, whatever that looks like for you. It's being as impacted as your body is by everything that is going on in it. So just don't forget that it's there. Like your brain health is as important as your physical health during pregnancy. 
Exactly. And I think yeah. that's what, what that reminds me of is just like this idea that we give up, we, we, we might lean into healthy behaviors in pregnancy, but we do it almost for the baby's sake. Yeah. And I do yeah. think that one of the things, we, I mean, I would definitely speak about when we talk about postpartum is the idea yeah. that the mother's or the, you know, the parents, yeah. um, health and mental health is so important and we mustn't forget it and so it's actually so it's actually so revolutionary to just start prioritizing your health and your mental health as a parent because so much focus goes on to the baby so much is about baby's health what's how baby's growing how baby's doing and we have to really make a huge effort to kind of be um to 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 bring ourselves back into focus again and again and again. And it can start in, it can start in pregnancy. So that's definitely just, just saying like, yes, I'm, I'm still here, you know, like Carly's still here. Jess is still here. This baby is important, but I'm still here. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Jess, it was so lovely to speak to you. Thank you so much for coming on today. We are going to speak again because I really want to speak to you about postpartum, which has got such a yeah we'll we'll yeah. do a whole another session on that but thank you so much for today and um yeah take care of yourself thank you so much for sharing so much and um i'll see you i'll see you on instagram <laughs> yeah definitely. be gentle with yourself in your pregnancy thank you bye. yeah okay bye, bye.